Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dialthegate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Welcome to episode 125 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. We have a great guest today, Britt Irvin, who played Marin in season three's Learning Curve of Stargate SG-1. Big episode in terms of the mythology. They introduced the Naquita Generator, which basically powered pretty much everything for the next of 300 episodes uh, and gave us a wonderful moral tale uh, to boot. But before we bring her in, I just uh, want to thank you for being with us and also invite you to uh, like the show. Uh, like meaning the thumb, the thumbs up button. Before we get started, if you like Stargate and want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal. Clicking that like button makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will help the show continue to grow its audience. Please also consider sharing this video with a Stargate friend. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click on the subscribe icon. And giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes, which have happened occasionally, but not too often. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next uh, few weeks on the GateWorld.net YouTube channel. As this is a live episode, we have Britt uh, on with us currently. So if you are in the YouTube chat at youtube.com slash dialthegate, we have a moderating team uh, there who will be uh, available to you to uh, take your questions. And then after I get through uh, my questions in this episode, we will, um, we will turn over um, the conversation to you guys. And I will submit questions to her that you have provided to me. So without further ado, Britt Irvin, who played Marin in Stargate SG-1. Thank you so much for being here. This is such a trip for me, Britt. No worries. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> How are you? How are things going? How is your life? You know, it's been a little, uh, you know, some kid to womanhood. You know, there's some time has passed. How, how have a been the years since SG1? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, Start with high school. Years? <laughs> yeah. Right. Jeez, you know, your career, I, I've just been looking at your profile, your career has just been going and going, you know, I mean, this is, this is, uh, wow, what, what a life you have led on screen, you know, is it, is it just remarkable? I mean, I, you know, starting out as a kid, I was doing it for, for fun, right? Um, only and like, I, you know, I loved it and, and was lucky to be able to do it. And I, I don't think I was even thinking in the future you know, that I could make a living doing it. Cause you know, when you're 11 or 12, you're not thinking about the fact that you're working professionally and, and, you know, and making money and money's not important at that age. Cause you, you know, you live with your parents and I would have done it for free. Um, so yeah, as I got older and realized like, oh, I could maybe make this my career. And then also realizing that it doesn't always work out that way. Um, I feel like I've been really lucky to continue to do it. Um, and that's all I've ever all I've ever done. Wow. So you've recently gone back and watched the show. 
Uh, I, I know we talked a little bit about this uh, before the show started. What was, have, have you, how long has it been since you've seen the episode? Have you ever watched the episode? Oh, no. I, I mean, also back when you're when you're a kid working, I feel like your parents want, you know, my parents would want to see everything. So we'd get like a copy and we'd all watch it as a family. And as I've gotten older, I tend to not watch very much of what I do because I find it like, uh, I just like I tell <laughs> okay. something and I just it's hard to watch yourself. Um, but yeah, so I, I mean, I haven't seen it since probably when I probably back when when I did it. So yeah, 25 years ago. Well, before we get into learning curve, um, what were the first inklings for you in your life that this was your passion, that this was something that you at least wanted to do for fun? Um, I think I was always sort of, I was a pretty outgoing kid and, you know, the type of kid that would put on plays in the neighborhood and all that kind of stuff. And I was a singer and a dancer and I kind of just was really into the arts and um a family friend of ours who has definitely been on Stargate actually do you know Gary Chalk yes most definitely he yeah. played Gary Colonel Chalk Chekhov a friend of my dad's oh, and man. he asked him and was like oh my daughter's you know really wants to act and he suggested an agent and I took a meeting and then you know my parents were very much like we can do this but you know you're going to school and you have to go to school. Um, so we'll see if we can make it work. And then, um, and then it did. So yeah, Gary, Ch- Gary Chalk. <laughs> oh, great guy. Great guy. Great We've guy. had him on the show before and um, he's, uh, he's definitely one of the greats. Uh, that's so cool. So Stargate was one of your first acting credits. I'm going back here and looking at, at, at yeah, some of these it? others. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Um, yeah, kind of. I don't know. I don't well, know. Yeah, new adventures of, as in terms of like IMDb, as far as you know, we know how trustworthy that is. Wow. No, hey, new adventures of Madeline, Panic in the Skies, uh, Angel Panic of Pennsylvania the- Avenue, Trillies <laughs> are bringing back memories. Oh God! Sleepwalkers, Nightman, and Stargate. And Stargate. There you go. Okay, cool. Yeah, Vancouver is not the same town as it was twenty twenty five years ago. No, you know, it's it, it's exploded in, I think, yeah. large part to a lot of these genre programs yeah. that have been made up there. Everything from, you know, the Arrowverse and Smallville to Battlestar Galactica, you know, Lost in Space recently, The Good Doctor, all these all these other programs at, at Bridge. Um, take me back to uh, Stargate SG-1. Take me back to Learning Curve and uh, auditioning for this part. Did it come up like any other? Yeah, it came up like any other audition. The thing about this specific one which I I will never forget so it was back in the day where you still got faxes like you have a fax machine in your house so your auditions would come through on that like fax paper scroll and the phone would ring and it would be the fax line and I'd be so excited because I knew that meant that I had an audition and so I'd go running to the fax machine and you know sometimes it would come out like six pages or whatever and the scroll of pages just kept like pouring out of the machine. It was like never ending. And I was picking it up and like, I was like, what the hell is this? And then finally all the pages came out and you cut them and like put them, you know, in, in order. And there was so many pages and so many, like, you know, all of Marin's lines are like all of this, like scientific sci-fi jargon. And like, I didn't know what anything was. And I was like, whoa, like this is hard. 
Um, so I just remember being like, I have my work cut out for me before this audition. Cause it wasn't like, you know, in some auditions, like you can memorize things quickly because it's more conversational, but this wasn't like that at all. And I, I'd never auditioned for anything like that. And I'd never done anything like that before. So, um, it was like a really challenging audition actually. <laughs> the, the sci-fi kind of language is its own language, but if you're not, like steeped in it, you know, it, it has a, a X plus Y equals Z kind of logic to it. But I mean, if, if you're not like, if, if you haven't like been raised on it or seen a lot of it, it's like, it's, it's like an equation, you know, it's like, it what is. is this? I know that it means something, but I don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> it was like reading it over and over, trying to figure out what she was actually saying, Cause you know, like if you're going to, you can't just like learn the lines, you do have to have some sort of an understanding, but auditions sometimes can be a little bit like weird mysteries. Cause they'll give you, you know, the breakdown of the character, who the character is and this and that. And then they'll give you a synopsis of the show and then a synopsis of the um, episode. But if you're, you know, I hadn't seen Stargate before, so I didn't know who all the characters were. So um yeah, it was just uh, l- trying to figure out what was it was about and what she was actually trying to say throughout it. And, you know, you only have 24 hours usually to do that. Like you'll usually get an audition the day before and you'll have to memorize, you know, 12 pages and then figure out who this person is and what the hell they're talking about. Um, Did you yeah. just have the casting director to work off of? Um, I went straight to the producer session. So it was the casting director reads with you. Sometimes they have a reader um, and then um, the producers and director or whatever are all seated there as well. Right. And as you're getting into, I know I'm taking you away. <laughs> We're talking 25 oh, years. I understand. <laughs> as you're getting into this, this role, who began, how, what began to be your understanding of, of what this person was very different from us. You know, not only is she, has she learned uh, uh, a, a vast amount of knowledge since uh, starting at about the age of one, according to the script, uh, their society is very different than ours and how they utilize their, their, well, their children based on their technology. What were your thoughts on this as, as a 14 year old person looking at this, this completely different world of a character? I, I mean, I, I'm not sure if I even thought about it in that way. I think I was more trying to figure out how to, how to make her different from how a normal child would speak. Like, obviously she's, she's saying things that a normal child wouldn't be saying, um, but it was kind of like to try, try to like, not let the, like, you know, when you're a kid, you're, you're naturally more expressive and more bubbly. And I think that, you know, that's how I was naturally. So it was like how to like hone that all in to make her, to make her different, not like an adult, but like a different so yeah, it was more like, it was more like learning how to, or, or trying to, to realize to like, keep my energy to a minimum, but still make her likable, like not like mm-hmm. mean or cold, more like just, so once, yeah, once I kind of figured that little part out, the words became easier to say. You're shutting everything off. I mean, yeah. she has known nothing but her purpose. And right. her purpose has been 
this field, this field only to exist for her people. And that's all and nothing else. No, no, uh, uh, what's the word? I, I try to avoid fun because fun is of, is at the root of the issue, but there's more to the to childhood than just fun. You know, there's the experiences of adolescence that, that this society just doesn't have, at least in the last 50 years, since they've been putting these little buggers in their brains. Yeah. And just you know? not having like emotional reactions to things, which right. is, is hard because when you're, when you're acting, like when you're in a place as an actor where you're, where you're not sure where a scene is going, what, what you, what you have is reacting to another person, you know, like it's right. oh, an energy, uh, an emergency alert is going off on my phone. You want to handle that? No, it's like an Amber alert. Oh, oh no. Okay. So it's citywide. It's yeah. I won't be able to help. I don't think. Yeah. Whoa. Crazy. That's never happened before. Yeah. And an Amber alert at that. Yeah. Well, Jack O'Neill isn't okay. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's not appropriate. Sorry, that was so Speaking, scary. Considering that we're talking about an episode that has the theft of a child in it, to be perfectly well, frank, you've got an Amber alert. That's I very, know. that's very it's strange. Very maybe very that's weird. Very weird. Man, oh man. Tell me about this uh, particular cast. You have Richard Dean Anderson, who is completely unpredictable. Right. Um, this is an episode where he shines alongside he, you. I, again, as a kid, you know, my mom knew who he was. Mm. And she was like, oh, you're going to be working with him. And I was kind of like, okay, like, cool. I, I, I don't, you know, I didn't know. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of actors, obviously, now that, that are, you know, based in Vancouver, who have gone on to have amazing careers, who mm. I now know as, you know, as an adult, um, but he was just like the nicest person. He was so giving with me and so patient with me. And like, you know, that, that little scene, the scenes where he takes me to the school and the scenes when I'm, you know, back in our bond, like drawing on the wall and, you know, him trying to make me, we were like joking. He's like, I'm going to try and make you laugh. And he was saying like, you know, poop jokes and and things like that to try and like get me to laugh and it worked. And I think they kind of, they kind of cut those out. I was trying to see if I could hear them because I remember him describing like, it's just so weird that I remember this, but I remember him being like, um, the, you know, the uh, do you know what a dog is? And then he finished it by being like, so I'm going to draw a little poop from the dog and put some corn in it. And I like lost it with like, thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. Um. So yeah, most of my memories are of him and like how sweet he was. Rick could always be counted on to give a headache to uh, uh, the the director on set because not only is he is he working to get the work done, but they're also going to have a heck of a good time while they do it. You know, That's and right. here is someone who has has had her quote brain sucked out. Probably yeah. doesn't even understand English. And no. so you're trying to deliver a performance just based on what you have at hand. And yeah, he's giving right. you poop jokes. He's giving me poop jokes, but they never fail. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you spent a lot of time with Amanda Tapping in this episode. I did, One of yeah. my favorite people on the earth. It's funny. I Watching it now, too, she's, she's so amazing in the episode. Like, all of her reactions and, like, watching it as an adult. Um was really cool like she she's just she's just so good like really 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 good and I'm sure she's great in every episode but I she's um I was super impressed watching watching that you haven't had a chance to be directed by her yet no I um everyone says I, she's amazing 
that's what I hear too. It'd be, I mean, it's so nice when you get to work with female directors in general. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to work there again. Any memories with Andrew Arley, your uh, your co-star for this particular episode? He was the Arbanian uh, oh, leader. Oh. He was Kalen. Not really. Um, not like that I can remember. I'd see him around and stuff mm-hmm. and we'd say hi to each other and everything. But we, um, I mean, we did have scenes together, but I feel like Richard Dean Anderson like overtook like the, my, <laughs> he overtook my memories. <laughs> <laughs> These are good things. And Ter- Carol actually is is amazing, and yes. we've done a lot of like Hallmark type stuff together, and we've had to go to some like LA event premiere stuff together. And she's just like always so nice to have around, and kind of the best the best energy. And God, she looks such a babe in that. Oh, she's show. great. Yeah, absolutely. She's my father's favorite. Oh, well, that makes <laughs> he's a babe and a half. <laughs> <laughs> this uh episode uh as far as i'm concerned is in the the top 10 you know maybe 15 of 350 shows and it's one of the best examples of good entertainment and good science fiction where it says you know here's here's this this civilization that does a thing a certain way to their children which we find to be morally reprehensible because it robs them of their entire lives. They just become vegetables. Um, And it's, it's one of those where it's like, it makes, it makes you think. And I think the best kind of entertainment forces us to look at a culture another way and, and find a way to make it work. And in this case, it's as a beautiful quality to it because it just returns them to the state that they were, um, where they can learn, like like the story says, uh, the old-fashioned way, and they will. And it yeah. has it has a happy ending to it, whereas not all the episodes, especially in the later seasons, did that. Cool, yeah. Um, it, what, I, I feel like, too, re-watching it, my understanding of it is a lot deeper than, than it was even when I was shooting it. Like, I mean, I think I thought I understood all of the aspects of it while I was doing it, but re-watching it, um, I don't know. It was just like it, everything rang differently to me this time watching it as an adult and having a kid and Mm. yeah it was was just like so heartbreaking and 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 Richard Dean Anderson trying to like um yeah and like and like is really emotional like all of those kind of elements I I don't remember realizing or or feeling as deeply um watching it when I was a kid did you know that in the story his son had died no I didn't know that yeah. So he okay. is already. Also, his, that's a weird thing about auditions and stuff. They don't tell you very much info because everything's top secret. So you're like coming onto a show and trying to like ask questions to figure out. But if the show hadn't come out yet, they're very like particular with what they'll what they'll share with you. In the film, um, not in the film, but before the feature film, mm-hmm. his son had shot himself with his own handgun. Oh God! And so Jack has. Yeah, accidentally shot himself. Um, so in the in Jack's story, his story is very much of one of resentment for himself for allowing that as a military man, allowing that to happen. Right. Um, and so he has always, uh, the Jack character has always had a very special place for children, you know, where he's just, because he himself is very childlike. But that also, if you don't know that, 
you know, it, it, you can still watch the episode, but knowing that information about the character informs yeah. his drive to protect the children he comes across based on his own experience with his son. Wow. So I it, did it, not know that. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those situations where it's like we, we as audience members are watching that this and knowing that this is always going to be in the back of his mind. He can never forgive himself for it. But also he has that extra weight going into this situation with Marin where he's like, not like a shot at redemption, but like I've, you know, this happened to me before with my kid. This other kid is going to be, you know, uh, lobotomized. If yeah. I have it within me to stop it, I'm going to stop it. And it plays out that way beautifully. He risks court-martial. He risks yeah. going, to, going to prison in a place yeah. with probably no doors because no one ever, you know, this, it's a secret. It's a secret organization. He's never getting out. You know, it's, a, it's he, he inadvertently causes an entire civilization to understand what it's like to have kids. Right. I, I love this story. Wow, I wish I had known that back then. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I want to show you something. Uh, so in the episode, mm-hmm. you were uh, showing Earth how to make this energy efficient technology. Yeah. Did you ever see the, sh- did, you, were, did you ever follow the show after? Um, a little bit, we would watch it, but not in a way where I was watching it and like would know you know, all of the storylines and, and what happened. I do know that it became like an incredibly important part of the whole show, that it wasn't just like a device that was like in the episode and then. Okay, so, you know, so you had a contribution and, to the mythology. Yeah. And they did explain that to me when we were talking, cause I was like, you know, being like, what is this thing actually? And I can't remember who it was. Maybe one of the producers explained to me like, oh, this thing is really important. And the yeah. mythology there. Do you want to see what it is that it led to? Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Just give me a second. This is Earth's version of an aqueduct reactor. So this is, there's two sizes. There's a larger one and a smaller one. Uh, This is a fan-made replica. Um, But this is the technology that is the offspring of what the Orbanians taught us. So uh, in, in all, for all intents and purposes, this is, this is what your character gave us. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? Oh, who made that? So this is, uh, so it's a, a, there's there's a huge uh, Stargate community out out there. Yeah. And so let me figure out just who made this in particular. Let me really see well because so cool. I've got got several people and I want to and I want to get the name. I'm sorry, man. The name is the name is escaping me right now. But he's gonna message you later. He's gonna message me and say, "Why yeah. didn't you think of my name?" There's uh, there's several. Um, I have several. Um, uh, modelers that I work with, and I do want to give him the proper credit. Sorry, guys, this is so freaking embarrassing. Um, let me see here. Where is he? Where is he? This one was developed by Martin McLean. Okay, so Martin is um, in. I think he's. I think he's in Washington State, and his craftsmanship is insane. I mean, just like this is a little the little battery door here, and it's it's the the Earth symbol. So cool. it's it's he's cool. The the fan the fans they make so much cool stuff. They're 
the, the quality of, of the stuff that this community comes out with is absolutely outrageous. Well, so, but yeah, that's, thank you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Oh, that's, I can that that's funny. To the earth people. <laughs> can you tell me a character that you have brought life to? Tell me about a character that you've brought life to that, um, challenged you as an actress in ways that you didn't expect or brought you to an understanding of something that you didn't anticipate a, a, a role that's really been a gift to you oh god that's a really hard question um something i just finished i wouldn't say the world that i was involved in felt like a gift to me but um it's a new series coming out on FX and it's about um, it's called under the banner of heaven. And it's about um, it's about the Mormon community. Um, but the, this murder that happens in it, it's based on a true story. Oh. Um, and I play um, uh, one of the wives in the family, but you know, I've been Mormon since I was younger and we end up becoming like fundamentalist Mormon, um, which is very different from, you know, the main LDS Mormon. That's the one with multiple, that, that has multiple parts. Yeah, the that, yeah okay. they're like really, so, you know, so, so in the name of God, this is why these murders happen. But okay. um, my character was like incredibly devout and like followed her husband into this fundamentalism, like seemingly wholeheartedly. And I had to say some really horrible things. Like, you know, the, the character, I mean, th- that community, at least in, in this, um, is incredibly racist. I had to say awful stuff. Um, it, it was anyway, it was really that, that, that just because it was the most recent thing I've done mm. to six in my head of being like getting into the mind of someone that's so incredibly different from me and that has such incredibly different morals and outlooks on life. Um, so it was really challenging and also really cool. Cause it's, it's been a while, um, that I've gotten to sort of be completely different from who I am. Wow. So yeah. I, I would think that, you know, being able to tackle something that really makes you uncomfortable in, in some ways it has, it has its own, you know, challenges morally and ethically and everything else, but to service the documents, you know, and yeah. what it is that you're, what it is that you're building on screen, you know, has to be interesting because you're taken to places that you wouldn't necessarily expect in your own life you would go. Oh, well, hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. I, and you also, it's cool because you, you do learn so much while you're working on something that's so different. Like with sci-fi also, you learn so much stuff that you didn't know about before, especially if you're not like, like you said, like growing up on sci-fi and you know, all of these things, like coming onto a show, like even like the 100, when I did that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming onto a show that had been on for, I don't know, like what, eight years or something mm-hmm. before I was doing it and learning as much as I could as quickly as possible about all of the little storylines and what this actually means. And like, you know, you have to be on the show or a massive fan to, to come onto it and, and, and know all of the um, little details that, that, that shows like that have, um, but it is cool because you come out in the end with all, you know, these new stories and things that you never would have known before. If your kid chooses um, a, a career path, are you like, like you in, in the vein that you have taken? Um, 
are you going to be supportive of that? Are you going to push away from that? Are you, um, what's, what's, what's your plan once, once that time comes, yeah. are you going to be yeah. act- actively pushing it? I definitely wouldn't actively push it. Okay. Um, I wouldn't push anything. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping I can maintain my goal of just supporting her and whatever she wants to do. If she's, if she's like begging for it and she really wants to act, I will put her, you know, we'll start with classes or camps or whatever. And, and she can give it a try. If she wants to dance, if she wants to play baseball, if she wants to, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't become a rocket scientist like Marin. She, she can hopefully do, I'll support her in whatever she wants to do. I certainly would not be um, a stage parent, <laughs> like pushing her to do something. Um, my parents didn't do that with me. You see a lot of it and it's super cringy. Um, you'd see it like auditions as like a kid, you know, like, you, you know, you'd be there with your little script and your mom and you could tell the ones that were there because the kid really wanted to do it. And the parents kind of like, were like, you know, on their, maybe they weren't on their phone back then actually, but you know, they just see in there and the kid, you know, would be studying their lines. And then there was the moms who were like making their kid rehearse over and over and like bribing them. I, you'd hear things like, they'd be like you just do it and we'll buy you an ice cream after just go in and kill it and you'll get an ice cream. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like it's so much work and so much driving. I don't know why you would want to force your kids into something and argue with them about it. It seems awful. I would think that that would be a great way to kill the spirit of it. It would be a wonderful way to kill the spirit of it. I, I, I would, I would, I would think most of those kids probably didn't go on to be actors, probably because they hated it. It's not for everybody, you know? Right. Absolutely. And that's leads to the the question that I was um, going to ask which is um you know if if you could say because at being as young as you were when you got into this if you could give advice uh to parents um who are facing this uh uh dilemma should should we put the resources into this you know should we should we move to so-and-so a place and give this a shot what would you what would you say it's it is very much a family decision too like I had a brother and and he was involved with all decisions especially when something was shooting out of town you know he would have to be okay with having his life you know upheavaled and you know organizing then if just my mom was going with me if my you know and my dad was working if my nana could pick him up like it was like you know and there was times where I would sometimes book something really cool and and we'd end up having to turn it down because it just didn't make sense for our family unit as a whole. And, you know, I, I understood that to a point when I was that age, but I was also like angry and upset when things didn't work out. Um, I totally get it now as an adult. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think if your kid really, really, really wants to do it, then and you have the, you know, you have you're able to make that happen, do it. Mm. But it, it it's it's tons of work. It's like auditions every day. Sometimes it's tons of memorizing. It's a lot of waiting around. It's a lot of rejection. It's a lot of canceling birthday parties or whatever, because all of a sudden you have an audition or all of a sudden you're working. So you have to really want it because, you know, as, as a kid, like things like birthday parties and that sort of stuff is important too, really important. And I, I, you know, I chose to do it, but I missed out on lots of fun stuff I wanted to do as well. In your experience, what is a good ratio um, letting you know that you're uh, you're making this work? 
if you get one in one audition in 10, one in 20, what, what is it for you personally in your own experience? I tried not to even think about it like that. Okay. So, um, it's such a weird thing. Cause you'll, you'll have literally like years where you're working back to back and you're like, cool, I must be doing something right. And then you'll be doing the same thing and you'll have months where, you know, you're auditioning and, and not working. And you're like, what am I doing wrong? And you're not doing anything differently. It's all like so much of it now, especially now comes down to like, you know, you're auditioning for things and they've already offered it to somebody else. And it's just like a weird game. So I try not to think of, I'm just so used to it now that I, you know, I audition for something, even if I'm in love with it and think I'm right for it and stuff. I, I do it. And I literally put it out of my mind. Yeah. You got to, otherwise it would just tear you apart. Yeah. You know, that's no way to live. Honestly, the best, the best thing I, I mean, having this as a career has made me so incredibly tough and I'm really good at letting stuff go. Like I do not dwell in even any other aspect of my life at all. I'm just like, I'm not a dweller. I like <laughs> experience something and like, let it go. Absolutely. I have questions submitted by fans. Okay, cool. Raj Luthra wanted to know what was your experience like on Smallville compared to SG one and working again with Michael Shanks? Yeah. Um, I, we remembered each other. Um, well, he remembered me more because I think Michael Shanks and I didn't really work together that much on Stargate. Like he was, he was there and around, but again, like as a, as a kid, you're like, Oh, there's just a bunch of all these different adults around me 24 seven. And you know, it's just different. Um, But yeah, he had made the connection and then I remembered, but he's also so lovely. And um, his kids came to set and they are really big star girl fans. And um, (laughs) His wife came to set also. Anyway, he's, he's, he's lovely. That was really fun. And it was fun too, because I was much older then. So it was cool, you know, working with someone that you worked with as a kid, but in a completely different capacity, like it's a chapter in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was really cool. He's amazing. Uh, Lock Watcher. uh, We already answered this question. How was it like, uh, what was it like working with RDA? So Uh, Erpo Homo. Is the way of learning that's shown in the episode or a good, bad, or good or a bad way of learning? So I guess that's, I mean, if you like Elon Musk's Neuralink in the direction that we're going that way, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Elon Musk would really have loved to cultivate Marin and her nanites, um, actually. He, <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like it maybe is like an efficient way to learn something, Um just so foreign. I'm not sure how I would feel about it. Yeah. I mean, did you, ever, did you ever read the book, The Giver? I've seen the film, but okay. I've not read so, the book. The book is obviously better than the film, like kind of oh, sure. things, but I mean, it is kind of like that. Um, it's a similar take on The Giver. It's like, you know, one person learning all of the pain and all of the um, knowledge and then spreading it into the community. And everyone um, has their place in society. Yeah, Right. And that's a little bit like Orban and and um, what Marin and and the other kids. Rones. Yeah, that's what they're called. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the one with the many Z's. Did you and the other kids paint the paintings in the school scenes entirely yourselves, or were they prepared? That's I didn't they expect were, that's that. 
I don't know about the other kids, but I mean, usually on things, they'll be somewhat prepared. Like the art department would have had prepared things. Um, they were very specific about what they wanted me to paint, except for the um, stick figure. Of course, I did that one all by myself. Oh, you did? I did that one <laughs> all by myself. a representation of me. That's or Major Carter in that case. I got, to, I got to do that myself, but everything else was thing. But, the, you know, I got to, um, I would just like paint over the little flower thing. But, all yeah, right. Specifically planned by the art department. <laughs> well, you always, I always, uh, in watching these episodes, I'm always, uh, having an eye for continuity so if you start if you start like working the little flower in the corner is it going to be there later the the outlines of you starting on and it is you know because continuity (laughs) jeez marcia middleton hi marcia marcia's a good friend um love you okay is it reiki on your on your shirt is that how you pronounce that or reiki reiki Reiki. yeah are you a reiki practitioner I'm not. Um, I, I've had Reiki done to me before, but it's a local um, woman and she just makes really cool t-shirts with cool prints and things on it. Okay. So is Reiki like, is that like Jamaharon? What, what is Reiki? It's like, um, it's like a form of healing uh, where people can like hone in like energy and, and heal through their hands. They don't actually like touch you, but when you get Reiki and they hold their hands above like whatever it gets really hot like you can feel just a big way of like honing your own energy into um healing practices in so many ways we are so behind on eastern medicine we are very behind you should go get some reiki yeah okay (laughs) i will consider doing that for sure all right um Peace writer. Thanks, Britt, for making one of my favorite episodes so great. I lost my parents when I was a kid, and episodes like this helped me uh, when I missed them. I am a script writer. Do you later realize the impact that you can have as an actress? I think so. Um, it depends on the project and stuff. I, I On shows like, like Stargate, um, which again was a really long time ago for me, I still mm-hmm. get mail from people um, which is really cool because you know that time in my life is like you know I was just doing it because it was fun and to still have people like you who say the episode and Marin you know as a character touched them in some way is is pretty amazing um yeah I get really excited when I get um mail from things that I did that long ago because you're like wow continuing to make an impact it's really really cool Absolutely. Marsha also wanted to know about your voice work in My Little Pony. Does your daughter like the franchise and did they give you freebies? Um, They, my daughter just turned two. I tried (laughs) to show her, that's why there's balloons in the background. (laughs) Um, I've tried to show her like little bits, but she doesn't like fully get, I mean, she like likes it, but she doesn't really get it yet. Yeah, she's a baby. I certainly did not receive any freebies actually. (laughs) So if they're watching, I'd like some. <laughs> oh, gosh. My, uh, uh, just a comment from Trev M12. I recently watched this episode again. Absolutely loved it. Marion touched my heart. Thank you, Britt. Oh, that's uh, nice. Thank you. Raj uh, Luthra, if asked, would you like to, would you make a return to a future Stargate series? Oh, my gosh. Of course I would. That would be amazing. Yeah, that would be so much fun. The, uh, the, the acquisition... Um, by uh, Amazon of MGM yeah. is now complete. 
Oh, so, is it? Cool. Yeah, yeah, so it, it, Amazon has now been absorbed. Amazon, MGM is its own shingle under Amazon, so they're going to continue to do business very much in many respects as per usual. Um, but we're all waiting with bated breath to see if another Stargate is going to be announced at some point here in the future. And are they, are they, would they be using, they would use some of the same cast members or it would be that's like- That's the big movie. question. Are they going yeah. to reboot it like a lot of this other stuff or are they going to con- continue the- uh, uh, the the franchise as it is and I, I waffle back and forth on a daily basis with this you know the pros yeah. and cons in the back of my mind oh they'll they'll they've got to oh no they have reason so there's no way to we don't know yet bottom well, line well, I will uh keep myself posted on that absolutely yes you know if it's if if Vancouver uh is is the next home for whatever production is going to come next and it's just a matter of time before something does come next because they have yeah. expressed um, an awareness of of its importance. Um, totally. They'd we'll be see. stupid not to do it. I agree. Absolutely, they would be stupid. Yeah. Lock Lock Watcher wanted to know what did you think of the established Stargate sets? Do you think they were cool? They were really cool. Yeah, that was it. Was really cool because that was one of my first times like being on a on a show that had like real sets like that. Um, that they were awesome and just like the star and it was cool too because you know with when when they were doing computer stuff to you know to make like surges or like the stargate lighting up that's all there's like a little bit of lighting happening like on on set but mm. it's mostly you know they're explaining to me especially because i'm new what's actually happening when that's happening so reacting you know to kind of nothing but um the sets were amazing and the props were amazing like the 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 what's it called again the gate <laughs> The, um, oh, the Macro Reactor. Yeah, yeah. The case, yes. like they, you know, oh, they so cool. showed me that and how it lights up. And, you know, the props master was so excited about everything he was making. And it was, it was really cool because I got to kind of, he kind of taught me a little bit about how he built it and like showed me all these like different little elements, kind of like wow. your, super impressive. Wow. Yeah, it was really cool. I was blown away. You, um, uh, I can tell you there, there were people on uh, the show who waited for years and years to be able to uh, do a puddle pass through the Stargate. And in your episode, nice. you did it twice. So Yeah, <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> uh, the, Dave, is there anything you specific you took from your experience of being on the show? Honestly, I I just I I left the show being like I had just the best time and I left the show just getting so amped about knowing I was on the right path and like I it was just like the honestly like the best experience. I I loved it. Everyone was so nice and warm and it was just one of the it was one it was one of my favorite childhood memories was shooting that. It was amazing. That's great. What's yeah. next for you? You gonna are you gonna juggle mom and acting or what's yeah. what's, what's your plan? Um, yeah, I've been I I have been doing that. It's been a lot of work out of town. Um, she's two now, but before that, she was traveling um, back and forth. And honestly, it was getting a little uh, exhausting being up all night with her and then working sixteen hour days. Um, and then this series I was telling you about that I just finished that was yes. back and forth sometimes twice a week from Calgary because I didn't want to leave her longer than a few days at a time. So I would, you know, shoot two days. And because of COVID, you have to get there two days before to quarantine. 
So I was just constantly on a plane back and forth. So I've taken, I've decided to take a little, uh, a little break to just be at home Can't with her. Yeah. Yeah. But I just started auditioning again. Um, but yeah, at that, I took a few months where I'm just like, I don't want to work. Is auditioning still happening over zoom? Everything is over zoom. Everything's over zoom. Yeah. So now my husband is my, uh, reader for all my auditions. <laughs> Um, takes it so seriously uh, really sometimes hey. he wants to do another take because he doesn't like his off-camera performance <laughs> um that's funny that's it's, it's, yeah it's still getting used to that <laughs> do you um have an idea of where uh this uh is it a series or is it a is it a film it's a mini series it's a mini series do you have an yeah. idea of where it's going to be broadcast it's on fx okay. i think it'll be on disney plus and Canada and Hulu in the States. You can look it up. It's called Under the Banner of Heaven. They just released uh, just a teaser. They sure did. Alrighty. I'll be I'll be checking it out. What's your character's name? My character's name is Sarah Lafferty. Okay. Very good. And I, I'm in a, I think I'm in four, five five of the seven or four four of I'm kind of throughout it. Some episodes are bigger and then some I'm just kind of there. Okay. Like well, I will definitely be checking it out it means yeah. so much to me that you took um time out of your schedule to talk with us about yeah, this this so episode fun. from many years ago um yeah. but it's uh, it's it's such an important show in the mythology and it's it's a an excellent example of the franchise when it was working at its absolute best so cool. it's it's such a privilege and treat to be able to talk with you about it Cool. Well, thank you. I'm glad I got to rewatch it and stuff. It's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. Thank you for coming on and best of luck to your future endeavors and momhood and everything that comes uh, to you next. You deserve it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on. Cool. Nice to meet you. Good to meet yeah. you. You take care Bye, of yourself. <laughs> you Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Britt Irvin. Stargate SG-1's Marin in Season 3's Learning Curve. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, We have t-shirts and tank tops and hoodies for all ages and a variety of sizes and colors as well as cups and other accessories at dialthegate.com slash merch. Uh, From the merchandise tab, you can click on a specific design and see what items are being offered. Checkout is fast and easy. You can use a credit card or PayPal. Just visit dialthegate.com or go straight to dialthegate.com slash merch. And thanks so much for your support. We have coming up uh, in about an hour and 15 minutes, trivia, Stargate SG-1 trivia from seasons one to five featuring myself, Alan Gowan as moderator, and my competition, Darren Sumner from GateWorld.net. He's going to uh, go one-on-one with me, and we're going to see who is the supreme nerd, at least in terms of uh, classic uh, SG-1. So we've got that coming up in just a little bit here. My thanks to my producer, uh, Linda Gate-Gaber-Fury, as well as my moderators, Summer, Tracy, Keith, Jeremy, Reese, and Anthony. Uh, thanks to Frederick Marcoux at Concepts Web, our web developer on Dial the Gate. And Jeremy Heiner, our webmaster, who keeps uh, the site up to date as well. We really appreciate, uh, I really appreciate their efforts and uh, continuing to make this show possible for everyone. So I appreciate you tuning in. My thanks once again to Britt Irvin for coming on the show. We'll see you in just a little bit, folks. I'll see you on the other side. 
Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producers are Darren Sumner and Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acree. Animations by Bryce Ors. The moderators are Summer Roy, Keith O'Mell, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design is by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots. The webmaster is Frederick Marcoux. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Frederick Marcoux. For inquiries, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes at dialthegate.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you.